Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the American Dream in the Eyes of Immigrants podcast. I am your host, Heidi De La Cruz, and if it's your first time here, welcome. If it is not, welcome back. Today's guest is Sineidu from Nigeria, and he is the host of the Immigrant Investor Show. He came to the United States when he was 17 for college. He is a licensed pharmacist, real estate investor, short-term rental operator, and podcast host. So right off the bat in the um, interview, we talk about names. So he tells us the meaning of his name, and then he also looks up the meaning of my name. So I'm wondering for you guys, do you know the meaning behind your name or the reason why your parents picked that name? Please let me know. I am definitely interested in that. Now we talk about, you know, his uh, cultural shocks, his experience of going to a boarding school back in Nigeria and how that helped him transition into attending college here. And, you know, we also talk about his culture. I had so much fun recording this episode, editing this episode, and I laughed so much. So I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Let me know if there's anything new that you learned. And also, he mentions at the end of this episode that he writes on a daily five things that he's grateful for. So I just wanted to remind you guys, I have a gratitude journal available on Amazon and they're actually running a sale right now. You can get it for $6.02. I have the link to that um, in the show notes. So get your hands on that gratitude journal so you can also get into the habit of practicing gratitude. All right, let's get into the show. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on? How are you? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. And how do you pronounce your name? <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming, didn't you? Of course. <laughs> how would you pronounce it? I would pronounce it Chindu. Ah, okay. What if you pronounce the E like an A? Like an A. Chindu? Exactly, Chinedu. Chinedu. Oh, does it have a meaning? Yes, of course. <laughs> what is the meaning? <laughs> it means God leads. It means God leads? Yes, ma'am. Oh, that is beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Nice. I love it. And I love that you, you, that you still use your name. Because I've heard of immigrants changing their name once they come to the united states yes so i am one of the stubborn ones the stubborn well, one. <laughs> yes I, I can't tell I'm a, I'm a big counter counter to the popular whatever so okay you know okay you know what's funny when i was in nigeria i used mm -hmm. my middle name which was english or actually latin uh, my middle name was rex or is rex um, okay so in nigeria i used rex but when I moved to the U.S., I was like, you know what? Screw this. They're going to learn how to pronounce my name. Because mm. when they see my name, when they see, when someone sees Rex, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, whoever from the street, whatever. You know, you don't, it doesn't really say anything about where they're from. But uh, with my native name, um, one has to ask, like, where are you from? <laughs> you mm -hmm. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I, I decided to stick with my native name. Awesome. Well, that's amazing. Cause you know, I, your name is big is your identity is, you know, who you are, where you come from. And we've, you know, heard stories of 
uh, people trying to change the difficult names just so it could be easier for them to, to, you know, to call them and pronounce. And it's like, no, just take the extra time to learn how to pronounce it, learn what it means, where it came from, you know, because it's, it's your name, it's your identity. Absolutely. And you know what, you know, what's funny that I found out a lot of people uh, ask, you know, uh, what, what does your name mean? And a lot of people actually want, to, like, I feel like if we give people the chance to, they will yeah. actually attempt to, you know. But yeah. That's yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you. How thank about, you. Oh, I'm sorry. How about ahead. your name? <laughs> My name. <laughs> My name is Heidi. And okay. I actually, well, in English is Heidi. In Spanish is Haiti. Um, yes. Yeah, so people call me either or. Um, I remember when I was younger, I used to hate being called Haiti in Spanish, right? Haiti. Okay, okay. Hated it, hated it. But then I when as I grew older, I realized they were just pronouncing it in Spanish. Um, yeah, so now I, I answer to either or. Um, I don't know the meaning of Heidi. I should actually look it up. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I don't well, know. I want to look it up now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Um, but my mom says she she heard it on, I don't know if it was a book or um, uh, soap opera in Spanish, telenovela. Okay. I can't remember if it was a book or that, but she's, she said as soon as she heard it, she fell in love with it. And then instead of uh, instead of spelling it with an I at the end, which is a traditional spelling. She wanted it with a Y. Ah. So it's H-E-I-D-Y, yeah. So I just saw that Haiti is originally of German origin. Mm. It means noble. Noble. So, see. <laughs> oh, interesting. So I, actually, Haiti with a Y and Haiti with an I, same thing. Same thing. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for that. Now <laughs> I know. Pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, thank you uh, so much for being willing to share your journey of immigration, coming to the United States. Um, I, uh, I love doing this. I love listening to these stories and, and learning more about immigrants and their culture, their background, and, and just their experience. Um, the more I've been uh, listening to these stories, the more I realize there's there's a lot in common with how people were feeling when they came or what they experienced and and things like that. So it's been really interesting to hear these stories and just listen how how much more of alike we are than different. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, my parents are from the Dominican Republic. So I am a child of immigrants and um, just seeing their struggle, uh, you know, navigating the system here in the United States, the language barrier and everything. So like firsthand, I just know the struggles that immigrants go through. And there's a lot of things that like me growing up as a child of immigrants that I didn't learn from my parents because, you know, they were learning um as well like you know navigating everything so it's just been it's been interesting listening to these stories and just like i can relate to a lot also just because i've also visited the dominican republic you know spend summers there and and things like that so like i know how the a little bit of how the life is over there so a lot of times like i'm relating to my uh, my uh 
I guess because, you know, I've experienced things in the Dominican Republic. So I'm really, really, uh, I think you're the first person. No, well, you're the first person I've recorded from Africa because I have another um, guest coming. She's uh, from Ethiopia. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I haven't, I've read her book. Um, it's called A Just Mission. And it's about um, how she, she pretty much says like how we can um, better the west the church's uh, mission strip okay yeah because you know it's um a lot of the times when churches go out to these countries on mission trip it's all white people right <laughs> like so a lot of the lead like so a lot of the leaders like they don't use a lot of le uh people of color as leaders to lead those mission trips right and so in her experience as an ethiopian like she um, tried to go on a trip to Ethiopia on a mission trip, and they kind of like told her like no, and she was kind of like wait, but you're going to my country, like you know, like how kind of thing. So she um, she gives uh, solutions on thing on like how to better mission trip and and things like that, and then also she points out that's like you know there's a lot of things that we need to fix here in the United States before we try to go and save the world right yeah, <laughs> so it's a it's a really it was a really really good book and i'm really excited to have her on um i have her scheduled towards the end of the month but you are my first guest from the continent of africa so i'm really excited about this awesome, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you, know yeah. you know what's funny also i've been uh, well uh, i've been deeply uh, i guess uh, intertwined with the uh, Latin culture, so I started learning Portuguese in 2013. And uh, oh, okay. And uh, in June, middle of June to middle of July, I spent the entire month in Costa Rica. I uh, decided to take Spanish classes. So uh, <laughs> nice. How was Costa Rica? Because I am in love with the country, and I've never been. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I listened to your last podcast and. Uh, I was like, oh, she wants to go to Costa Rica. Costa Rica is uh, one of my, it's, I mean, outside of Nigeria, Costa Rica is my second favorite country on earth. Uh, Brazil is my first. Uh, Costa Rica is super peaceful, of course. Um, the, the people are peaceful. And you can go from east, from the Pacific coast to the Caribbean coast, and you're going to get something different. The, the Caribbean coast is significantly slower and mm. chill, very, very Pura Vida. Uh, the Pacific Coast is more Western, still Pura oh, okay. Vida, but uh, more Western. Uh, so you're going to find a lot of like American or European style restaurants and, and fast food, fast food stuff. There's a lot of surfing on the on the Pacific Coast. Um, nice. And of course, when you go in the middle, there's a lot. Of course, lots of rainforest, lots of uh, areas to hike lots of jungle lots of sloths <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh that's cool so oh so okay so now you know so how many languages do you know <laughs> well uh english uh, uh poco portuguese po poquito espanol uh and then my native language Igbo. Nice. Okay, look at you. That would be quadrangle. Quad, right? Because I, I only know how to say bilingual, but then if it's three, it's trilingual. So quad, 
Quadruple, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Let's stop a try because the Spanish, uh, my yeah. Spanish is not up to date. It's not where uh, I need it to be yet. Oh, tienes que seguir practicando. Sí, estoy practicando ahora. Ah, okay. Tú sabes. <laughs> yeah, tú sabes. Sí. Yeah, there you go. All right. So, oh, well, you gave us a little bit of information about you, but tell us a little more your background and what events led you to move to the U.S. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. First, before I even got dive into that, Heidi, uh, mm -hmm. muchas gracias. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share the mic with with you and your audience i really appreciate it and uh, i really appreciate the work that you're doing and sharing the immigrant story and the fact that yes we are more interconnected we are more the the same thread runs across all all of us you know even if mm -hmm. we're from different continents and different uh, spaces and time too so yeah uh, so thank you for that um and you you find out that you know my story is probably not going to be much different from the egyptian lady lady that you know spent time in egypt and most of your other guests as mm -hmm. well and the lady from ethiopia coming uh after me so um i'm originally nigerian i'm uh i tell people i'm a drug dealer terrible <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah we're about to have some fun today <laughs> uh, yes we are <laughs> And, uh, I tell people I'm a I'm a drug dealer turned real estate investor and short-term mental operator, and uh, I am a legal drug dealer. I'm a licensed pharmacist. In this oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's like where they hide the hiding person. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like I need to be careful with who I'm adding to this. No I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a licensed pharmacist. Um, and I started investing in real estate in 2015 uh, in the U.S. and uh, slowly ramped up to 20-something uh, uh, apartments and uh, converted them to short-term rentals, converted a good bit of them to short-term rentals in 2020. And uh, I've been doing that full-time uh, and then occasionally uh, part-time as a pharmacist as well. So uh, even before that, born and raised in Nigeria, um, moved to the U.S. in 20, 2005 uh, at 17. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and straight from Nigeria to undergrad, uh, started pre-pharmacy at the University of Louisiana at Monroe, finished uh, seven years there, and just stayed in Louisiana for the love of the culture, the love of the food, the love of the music, the people. Um, it's super laid back now, yes, economically, maybe not one of the best states, mm. but, uh, but uh, super laid back and uh, the heart of the people is uh, uh, what has kept me here. And the fact that, you know, to, to gain other licenses to other states uh, creates a bit of a huddle when someone is uh, uh, moving and such. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay, so 17. So you came for college. Yes, ma'am. I came for college. Okay. And wh why? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a very good question. <laughs> so so when I was in, in uh, boarding school in Nigeria, mm -hmm. my brother graduated uh, from, from high school 
and uh, took some exams and came to the U.S. Okay. Um, and and my parents wanted to give us the best education possible, so mm -hmm. uh, my brother got into one of the best engineering programs at the time, which was uh, Oklahoma University. So mm -hmm. um, when uh, sorry, University of Oklahoma. When he got in, I mean. I was just like, you know, there was no other option for me. It's like, you have to go to the U.S. now, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, follow, I see. You have to follow Big Brother's footsteps. Yep. Mm -hmm. that, that's, how I, that's how I got on this, uh, on this road. Gotcha. Okay. And so how was it coming to a new country as a 17-year-old young man? You know, what's crazy I haven't thought about that much until um, now, to be honest. So coming, mm. coming, I had been in boarding school since I was 10. And I don't know, for those who don't know what boarding school is, you literally live in school uh, with other students. Is that common in Nigeria? Yes, it's actually very common in Nigeria. Oh, okay. Yeah, so at 10, I moved to boarding school. Uh, of course, you spend the semesters in boarding school and the, the breaks, uh, you go home or you went home. So um, I did that for six years. Of course, the first few years of that were super hard. You were crying every day, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I was, you know, to come to the U.S., I specifically... Uh, because I had been by myself, fending for myself pretty much for six years already, uh, my six most formative years, I really wanted to even be as far away from family as possible, which was kind of crazy. Mm. Because I didn't want them to, I didn't want to, after fending my, for myself, to, I guess, go back to being babied. Uh, by family and in good, in good, in, with good intentions, because you know, family yeah. wants to. You know, uh, sometimes you, one can't differentiate between you know if the love is helping or hurting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's. Uh, I I I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome getting here at seventeen. I I told my dad that uh, I wanted to be close enough, but far enough from from. I had some family in Houston at the time, and my brother was in Oklahoma at the time. So okay. Louisiana was a, was a good enough compromise. So if I indeed if I ran into trouble, uh, it was close enough that they could get to me in a short amount of time. Um, okay. But thankfully, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so essentially, since you went to boarding school, which sounds a lot like how college life is here. You uh -huh. live at the school, uh -huh. and then you go home for breaks. It's like you were used to that. Yeah, yeah. I was used to I was used to the independence. So mm -hmm. that in itself, like being away from family, wasn't a shock for me. Yeah. I was, you know, that was my way of life. You know, and uh, it comes with its gifts and its curses because you know now I find myself you know, maybe detached. Uh, mm. or, um, uh, I, you know, in the boarding school, sometimes you, you, you made a friend this semester and the next semester they were off to somewhere else. So you created connections, but never really deep or you got used to being able to be out of sight, out of mind, if that makes sense. So yeah. uh, 
So it came with his gifts of being independent, but also with his uh, with his challenges of maybe not uh, uh, being okay with 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 losing people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Now I want to ask if you learned English here or back home. And the reason that I ask is because I know that a lot of other countries outside of the United States are very big on teaching different languages to the kids, right? Yeah. And in the recent episodes that I've recorded, um, a lot of, they've been telling me that they'll, they have learned English like back home, but then when they come here, it's like completely different than what they <laughs> actually learned back home. So that's where that question comes from. <laughs> no, that's a great question. That's a really, really good question. So the funny thing is my, my boarding school was uh, very British. Okay, yes. So we, we learned English. Even um, we were banned from speaking our native language. Really? Yeah. So it was actually considered vernacular uh, if you spoke the native language on campus, which was absolutely crazy to me because I'm Igbo. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the language that I speak. But my boarding school was in the Yoruba part of the country. Okay. And I would have loved to learn Yoruba, but we were banned from speaking it on campus. So I never learned Yoruba. Okay. Yeah. So I only, I only spoke English. And to, to your point about, you know, when people come to, to the U.S. that the English is totally different. So <laughs> I, I had an English teacher who uh, always took off points because I didn't spell things the American way. The American way. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, you learned British English. Yes. Which is different than American English. Oh, my goodness. Like, I, I, made, I made B's in English because I didn't spell organization the right way. Oh, well, because I didn't spell color the right way. Oh, like, wow. Well, let oh, me wow. tell you, I, I'm a writer. Uh -huh. And I am a writer who does not know how to spell. <laughs> I don't. I, I, no. Um, see, in Spanish... Things are spelled how they sound. Uh -huh. Not in English. Yeah. English likes to add silent letters. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, per, and then put letters that like look one way, but they're pronounced another. Like uh -huh. PH is like an F. Like why? Why? <laughs> so I am a writer who doesn't know how to spell. I am constantly talking, asking Google how to spell things. Because it's, yeah, it's just bad. So I feel your pain of getting points taken off because you didn't spell things right. I, I completely understand. But <laughs> uh, well, thankfully, we have editors these days. So yes, exactly. Thank God for editors. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, what was your first culture shock coming uh, when you were living here in the United States? Uh, culture shock was... Um how sensitive people were. Really? Yeah. Okay, now you're going to have to elaborate. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, I noticed this, especially with a lot of immigrant families, that mm -hmm. uh, 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 people consider, like, those who just immigrated to the U.S. maybe a little bit more rude. Okay. Because... 
we're just more direct like yes know. straightforward <laughs> yes okay i see okay yeah, yes mm -hmm. so like uh you know when i was growing up back home uh you know a cousin or a family member would be like hey Chinita, you're getting fat it's like uh <laughs> That's Thanks. offensive here. You know, exactly. But when I came here, I was like, you know, we don't use such words. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so that was, that, was a, that was a big shift for me because you have to, like, you know, sugarcoat your delivery or, like, you know, dress up your delivery even better. And I think now I may have, like, gone the opposite, overcompensating and overshooting. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> um, what would you say was the biggest struggle in adapting to American culture? <laughs> this is probably another weird answer. Dressing. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> So of course, growing up in a in a in a, in a British style school and European style dressing, uh, we mm -hmm. wore more fitted clothes. And uh, being a black guy in Louisiana in two thousand and five, mm, yes, the baggy clothes, yeah, so the, the style, yeah, yeah. So the fitted clothes were kind of seen as uh, either metro metrosexual or homosexual, and. Uh, Oh, okay. And, uh, th that was a struggle for me because, uh, yeah, that was a struggle for me because people's because I, I'm an introvert, um, mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, wore fitted clothes. Um, people, uh, <laughs> yep, people <laughs> had the assumption that I was uh, uh, homosexual, and uh, I then tried to overcompensate for that and bought a lot of baggy jibo shorts and pants and uh and uh timberlands and tall white tees and all that good stuff. yeah and after like two semesters i was like this is not me like, I, mm. this is absolutely not me so i don't care you can think what you want i'm gonna wear what works for me so yeah uh, that was my big struggle wow interesting interesting <laughs> that's a, that's the first first time i've heard that hear that <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> no, no, but it's interesting though, because like you said, you grew up in a in a British, going to a British school, so like the dress code was different. But yeah, no, definitely back in two thousand five, that was that was the style here. The whole, whole baggy jeans and baggy shirts, all the way down to the knees, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And even eating. So in the school, we had to eat with a fork and a knife. Um, and then come in here and people just ate with a fork or with just a spoon. And I was just like, what is what is this? You're holding your fork in your wrong hand. <laughs> really? Okay, so what hand do you guys hold your fork in? <laughs> you hold the, well, for the right, right. I mean, most people are right-handed, I guess. Mm -hmm. So we hold the fork on the left hand and the knife on the right hand. Oh, see, I'm a lefty. Ah, so you probably hold it the other way. <laughs> so wait, well, I hold my fork with my left hand, but when I'm going to cut, uh -huh. huh, no, because I do it opposite. Yeah. So when I'm going to like cut, like I remember I was trying to teach my daughter how to cut something, right? <laughs> but I'm a lefty. So I was using the fork, my, the fork with my left hand to uh -huh. hold it down and then cut with my right. Uh -huh. And then my husband was like, but wait, isn't it? No, you have to do the opposite. You, right? 
I mean, mm-hmm. now, now I don't know. I'm confusing myself. So, yeah, I think it, yeah, he was telling me it's the opposite. And I was like, no, you hold it like that. But yeah, I'm a lefty. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think lefties get a pass on that one. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> but I do a lot of things with my right hand, though. Like when I'm doing sports, for example, um, if I go bowling, I will bowl with my right hand. When I played basketball, I would shoot with my left. And then when I played volleyball, when I went to go spike, I would spike with my right hand. And I remember my volleyball coach, like, really wanting me to try to spike with my left since I was a lefty. She was like, because not a lot of people hit with their left. So you could, like, you know, trick trick them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't. Like, when it comes to volleyball, like, I feel like all my force is on my right hand. Uh uh Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Um, let's see here. Have you been able to visit your home country since moving? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Muchas veces. Okay, okay. All right. So let's talk about the very first time you went back to visit. How was that experience? Uh, it was, I think, two years after I came. Okay. It was uh, it was different. It was different. Um, I felt like uh, uh, my country had rapidly developed in, in that short mm. amount of time. Is it that, or there were just things that I didn't notice we did when oh. we were there? But yeah. I, I felt like there were lots of new buildings. There were lots of like new roads and uh, new infrastructure. Uh, the first time I came back. Um, People, of course, <laughs> could tell that you came from America, even if you didn't like, say anything. Uh, yes, that happens <laughs> in the Dominican Republic, too. Like, they can tell when you're not from the Dominican Republic anymore, like when you live in the U.S. So I completely uh-huh. understand that, yes. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was my first time going back. It was cool. It was cool. It was very cool. Um, what, do you, what do you miss about living back home mm. Oof, that's a that's a good one um i miss um wow that's a good uh i feel like there's more community back home oh yeah yeah i feel like there's more community um even as an introvert like you 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 still um I feel like internationals are a lot like this too. There's a lot of uh, get-togethers and a lot of like, you know, over whatever. You know, someone, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> someone, someone had the quesadilla and it's like, okay, cool, yeah, everyone is, yeah, everyone. <laughs> oh, someone has a little birthday or you know, job promotion, and everyone you know cracks out a bottle and we hang out and have a good yeah. Time. So. Yeah, as opposed to here, I feel like we are a little bit more isolated here, you know. Um, Yeah, that's true. Same thing as the big public. It's more Mm community-oriented. Yeah, so I get that. Um, What do you like about living in the U.S.? Um, Great question. So the thing is uh, a a lot of um, things are more efficient. I think that's Mm -hmm. the best way to put it. Uh, Yeah. A lot of times we don't notice things that work or work well because they work well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then you go somewhere else and you're like, wait, why don't you do this? Exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, you can call, uh, 
you, ex- you go to the bank and you expect it to be open at nine and it is open at nine, you know, mm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you may go to the bank in Puerto Rico, or Costa Rica or, or Nigeria and, you know, 9.15. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mentioned the bank, this, this reminded me of this thing in Dominican Republic, there's like a dress code to like um, go in, into banks. Like you really? can't, yeah, like you can't just go dress like however. What like you how do I put this? Like very like laid back? Because mm-hmm. I remember I can't remember who I was with, but they were like getting all dressed up. And I was like, but wait, aren't we going to the bank? Like, mm-hmm. why are you getting all dressed up? Mm-hmm. But it was that it was like like you can't just go like certain buildings, like you can't just go um, you know, like with relaxed clothes i, I want to say like clothes that you would like wear at home right mm-hmm. like you're not going out kind of thing and um also we were visiting and i understand this was for the hospital though this exam the next example i'm about to give which i understood because it was a hospital mm-hmm. but i had to go visit my um grandma she had, was in the hospital at the time mm-hmm. and the dress that i was wearing was very low cut Oh, okay. And they told, and the security stopped us in the in, at the door and told us that I needed to wear, so I needed to cover up, that I couldn't go in with a like a low cut um, dress. Okay. I was like, I don't know. I was just like, wow, that is that is weird. Like no one will ever tell you that in America. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously there's like certain like bars or like establishments that like you know they'll do their dress codes or whatever, but mm-hmm. like not to the hospital or to a bank, you know. Oh. So, yeah. So now that you like that just brought that memory back where you had mentioned about like going to the bank and like waiting until night. that just reminded me of that. Now, you know, I've actually heard of certain countries that uh, you can't wear khakis. Because really? Because it's military uniform. Okay. Yeah. When I was in, I think it was Barbados and I, I had a pair of khaki pants and I wore them everywhere and uh like a, a military guy stopped me. He was like, you know, I should take your pants off, right? I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. I would not put this on anymore after today. <laughs> Interesting. Wow, that I had not heard of. Yeah. Okay. But I have wow. heard of, like, you know, dress code to go to the bank or... Yeah, or it was... Yeah, it was bizarre to me. That was a cultural shock for me. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is one thing you are thankful for um, in regards to your experience of coming to the United States and just living here? Oh, I have many things. Many, many things. I actually have a, a journal almost every day, and uh, I... I write uh i used to write three things i was grateful grateful for every day and uh, now i've changed it to five things but uh to pick one oof that's tough <laughs> um especially you know writing <laughs> multiple things every day yeah but uh to pick one i would say um the opportunity to grow mm. um uh, solamente the, the opportunity to grow just being by myself, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, the the uh, <clears throat> and the the lot the opportunities that the U.S. actually presents to to one, yeah, uh, that uh, a lot of times those who already live here um, may be 
desensitized to. Um, so that that's uh, that's a big one because you see a lot of things that work or could work better, or you could mm-hmm. even like implement back home, or just things that out of necessity we made work back home that could be used to make things work even better here. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that is uh, and it, it spans it spans a lot of different facets of life. So that's uh, that's something that I'm grateful for. Uh, the the opportunities uh, here uh, for me for personal growth and just for to be able to help the growth of humanity if that makes sense yeah yeah it does yeah that's beautiful I love that you journal every day because I'm a big journaler hey, journaler nice <laughs> and um, I actually sell a gratitude journal really nice I do yeah I made it um earlier this year because. Because of that, just because of the benefits of journaling and then just writing down gratitude can really change your perspective mm-hmm. and it can, you know, change your mood and it has um, it has a lot of benefits, a lot of, you know, for mental health, for your well-being and things like that. So I try to encourage people to journal. So oh, yeah. I, yeah, I sell journals and notebooks. So that's really cool. It's really nice to hear another person that does that. Absolutely. And just something on that point, you know, what we focus on expands. Like, yes. If we start the day focusing on something to be grateful for, like you can't, light and darkness cannot exist at the same time. If mm-hmm. you're focusing on light, if you're focusing on gratitude, focusing on things you, you're grateful for. Now, sometimes it's hard to come up with things, but uh, the more we do that, it's like a muscle. We can do more and more and more and more. You know, and for yeah. someone who's starting out today, it may just be one thing you're grateful for today, and then you gradually build up. You start realizing that you're finding more things to be grateful for, like clean water, like mm-hmm. clean air, like you know, warm showers. <laughs> yes, warm showers. Yup. Anyway, let me get off my soapbox. I can go on. No. <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, so now I want to give you the opportunity to share about your podcast because that's actually, well, I found you on Instagram because um, the username Our Wealth Matters, yes. she tagged you on a post because yes. she was a guest on your podcast. Yes. And so I found you that way. So tell us about your podcast. Ah, thanks, thanks, thanks. Maribel was awesome. She was awesome. Uh, yes. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed interviewing her and just enjoyed learning from from her. About mm-hmm. her. Um, thanks for the opportunity to share about my podcast. My podcast is called The Immigrant Investor Show. Um, this is just like you share immigrant stories as a, in The Immigrant American Dream. Um, I just share immigrants who are doing the alternative to, you know, what, this society or our parents wanted us to do, you know, be lawyers, doctors, Mm -hmm. uh, engineers, and uh, get a secure job, work at it for a thousand years, and then hopefully retire (laughs) with something, you know, so. (laughs) A thousand years. (laughs) And nothing against the people who want to do that. If that is your life's goal, if that is your personal (laughs) legend, by all means, do that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, don't uh, I, I want to share the stories of those who are not doing that, who mm. are doing alternate, uh, alternate, who are following alternate routes and still crushing it. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
when my dad gave me a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I was 13, uh, and it totally changed my mindset on ownership and properties and all that good stuff. I came to the U.S. Of course, I ended up becoming a pharmacist. But on my way to being a pharmacist, I met this guy from Trinidad and Tobago who had four apartments or five apartments at the time. And he really, really, really inspired me. Like, I wasn't even looking to pharmacy role models. He was my role model. Mm. And uh, after acquiring 23 properties, I felt selfish. I felt like I... um, I'm doing my people a disservice because there's some 17-year-old who just came to the States, 18, 20, 30, 50-year-old immigrant who just came to the States who has been told all their life that they cannot invest. Mm. I wanted to be the person, oh God, you're getting me fired up now. (laughs) No, go ahead, go ahead. And I I wanted to be the person to, to tell them that there's an alternate route, that you can do what you want to do. You can invest, you can uh, Mm -hmm. do whatever you set your mind to do. And that's why I wanted to share the stories of people like, like Maribel and, and the other immigrants that I've shared over time that are doing alternate to what society thinks is, is the normal thing to do. So yes, yes. The immigrant Mm -hmm. Investor show is where I gather as many people and I would like to have you on for, you know, doing what you're doing with this podcast, being an author, being a writer, just all that you do. You know, I I like to share stories like this to hopefully inspire that 17 year old writer uh, that that wants to wants to to be highly tomorrow. So. Oh, well, I will be, it would be an honor to be a guest on your show. I will include the links to your podcast on the show notes so people can go and listen and support. And then I'll also include the link to um, Maribel's um, episode specifically because she dropped a lot of knowledge about um, investing as immigrants and then also as uh, for undocumented people too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And this is information a lot of people don't know. And people Mm -hmm. need to know this to be able to break out their shell, to live their best lives. You know, so... I'm grateful for people like you, people like Maribel and the other immigrants that come on the show to share their their, their dance. Beautiful. How long have you been bo- podcasting? I started podcasting in 2019. I took a break uh, for most of 2021. Okay. Um, because I was trying to learn and build a whole new business, but I mm-hmm. got back into it uh, this year. Um, so just uh, because I, I still feel... Uh, like I'm doing a disservice. So now I'm doing more batching and uh, I record a lot uh, at, a, at one time and uh, okay. and then sprinkle it out over over the course of months. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for this, for all your sharing, your experience, your journey. I had a great time speaking with you. Um, I encourage everyone to go listen to your podcast Um, So they can learn more about investing and just hear more immigration stories of people who are investing and doing amazing things. And also people to stay connected with you. How can people get connected with you? Uh, (laughs) That's a very good question. That's a, uh, you know what? That's a very good question. Um, I'm horrible at social media. (laughs) I am. Uh, I may take like a month to respond, but <laughs> the Immigrant Investor Show on uh, on Instagram is a place you can reach me or oh, at Chinedo Akone uh, on, on Instagram, Chinedo R Akone on Instagram. So um, I will do my best to log on. 
<laughs> I mean, you're a busy man. You know, you got your 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 drug dealer. You got your investment properties. You got your podcast. So. I don't, you know? know if, I don't know if it's not. It's just <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you again so much for this. I had a great time and I hope to be a guest, an honor to be a guest on your podcast. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Javi. You're nice welcome. Talk soon. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening all the way through today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Here are a few ways that you can help support this podcast. You can share this episode with a friend, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave a review, sign up for the newsletters to get episodes straight into your inbox, or donating money. If you're interested in advertising your business or sponsoring an episode, please send me an email. The email is listed in the show notes. Thank you once again for your continuous support. Until next time.